the world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe all right well good morning good evening good afternoon wherever you are in the world my name is josh that is nathan walt and meredith oki this is the red pill project's conversations on the fringe this is where we talk about those conversations that are outside of the normal conversation we talk about those things that are on the fringe that people don't normally talk about in normal conversation we do this because you know what there's just so much tumultuation happening in the world that sometimes you need a break you need to sit back relax and reflect upon those other things in life that make you go hmm especially when it comes to what we're going to be talking about tonight the quantum biology collective quantum health we're going to be talking about um, optimization we're going to be talking about you your body your mind your spirit your soul and all the interconnectedness of that nathan and meredith this is the first time that i've had like this new setup with two other pe- two guests on actually i've had other co-hosts cool. but i never had two guests on at the same time so this is going to be uh, a great. first for fringe and a first for me but this is going to be fun i think we're gonna have a great conversation all right. um, um we, nathan we go ahead nathan no, I, I was just saying we like being guinea pigs. <laughs> there you Sometimes. go. Sometimes. Well, you were in the biohacking for a while, so you're used to that, right? For sure. Yeah. Um, well, everybody knows Nathan. Nathan is no stranger to this show. But Meredith, if you would love to, please give us an introduction to yourself, your background, and a little bit about Quantum Health TV. 
Sure. Um, thanks, Josh. It's great to be here. Um, I love the title of this show, Conversations on the Fringe. I I love talking out on the edge. Um, and yeah, I think we should do more of it. So this is a, a great spot to be. Um, my background is in media and executive coaching. Mm -hmm. And I came to the uh, quantum biology space uh, as a patient, basically, as somebody who was in a health situation that I couldn't, I couldn't get out of. Um, traditional medicine had no answers. I had like pretty severe chronic fatigue. Um, traditional medicine had no answers. They were like, nah, your, your labs are fine. You're good. Like we got nothing for you. Um, and everything else was just basically like food, 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 supplements, food. And so I did that for a while and it helped a little, but not much. And I was like, there's gotta be something else because micromanaging my food for the rest of my life feels like a punishment mm -hmm. from hell and I don't want to do it. <laughs> so I started down a rabbit hole and started learning about light and health, which led me to understand this emerging paradigm of quantum biology, which is, um, I think, sort of a turning point in how, in how we understand human biology, just in the way that the turn of the century, we went from Newtonian physics to quantum physics. I think we're now going from um, biochemist, like a biochemical idea of biology to a quantum biologic mm -hmm. idea of biology. Um, and the, the research for this is in, it's been, you know, academically tested and proven. There are books and articles that quantum mechanical processes happen at the biological level, which for a classically trained physicist, they would say, no, that's not true. Um, <clears throat> but there's now evidence to show that it is true. And once that becomes true, we've just like blown the doors off what, what it means to be healthy. And we can add so much to our lives by doing things like optimizing our light environment instead of putting all the focus on food. There's so many other things. So it's, it's great news. It makes being healthy more fun, easier, more joyful. And it's like a, just a mind-blowing way to think about um, how our bodies actually work. Yeah. And, and you know, it, it's interesting because I was, I was on TikTok today, which I probably shouldn't be on TikTok, but sometimes it's fun and enjoyable. <laughs> and I saw a Dr. Fred Bell interview. And I don't know if you guys know who Dr. Fred Bell, Bell is. Um, he's mm -hmm. an American physicist who um, started investigating the body electric. And that led him to various cures for cancer, various cure, cures for all different types of diseases by finding out about how the body works on a quantum level to rectify various wavelengths of light. And um, his, his research and in, in information, he's long since gone, but his inf information and research is absolutely fascinating. Um, I'm forgetting the name of his book, but there's another book out there called The Body Electric, which is very similar in context. It tells about how our bodies are basically electrical batteries, electrical devices, and that's how they operate. Now, when we talk about light, you know, light is an electromagnetic uh, frequency. So it is a on that spectrum of the electromagnetic. We have the, we have the visible light spectrum, we have the infrared, we have gamma rays, we have microwaves, but that's all just light at different pieces of energy, at different uh, containments of energy. Um, can, can you tell me a little bit more about, um, I, I guess, what quantum health is? If you had to define quantum health, how, how would you define that? That's either one of you. Do you want to go? Do you want to go, Nathan? Yeah. So, you know, at the at the quantum level, we we're all quantum beings, mm -hmm. right? And Josh, you are alluding to it about different frequencies of light. 
And frequencies of light control everything that happens in our body. And the way our bodies make energy is using electrons and protons. And our mitochondria, our, our body is able to break down food and extract those electrons and protons from the food and from water to make energy. And modern life has completely disconnected us from kind of our God-given quantum health because in order to really obtain quantum health, you need to be connected to nature because mm. nature controls everything. And in 2017, the Nobel Prize in Medicine and Physiology was awarded for the study of the circadian rhythm, which controls the body's metabolism. So converting food to energy. Today, there's a lot of metabolic diseases, uh, heart disease, cancer, diabetes, obesity. Those are all kind of a lack of metabolism. The body's not able to convert food to energy. So there's a lack of energy, which manifests in these different diseases. The circadian rhythm controls growth. So all of our cells are regenerating at different times, your bone cells, your skin cells, your muscle cells, your heart cells, they break over time and they regenerate. That's a function of growth, mm -hmm. which is controlled by frequencies of light, the circadian rhythm, and then your hormones. Most people, if they've dealt with any kind of chronic disease, they've had deficiencies in hormones. Um, for men, if you've ever had a deficiency in testosterone, you know it. It completely wrecks your sex drive. It wrecks your body. From women, when they have a deficiency in hormones, it's very hard to lose weight. Their skin is not the way they would like it to be. So when we disconnect ourselves from nature, from that source of energy and information, which kind of guides and directs our body, it's kind of like the software for our body. Mm. So when you go outside and, and you look at the sun, that's both energy and information. It's energy because your body can convert those photons from the sun into ATP, which we use for energy. But there's also information which tells our body what to do when. So for example, every second, each of our cells is going through 100,000 biochemical reactions. And when the body's working the way it should, all those reactions are in sync. And we have trillions of cells. Mm -hmm. So when you think about that, 100,000 reactions per second and trillions of cells all coordinated, it's kind of mind-boggling, right? But that's all controlled by the energy that we get from sun and also from the earth because the earth has an electromagnetic electromagnetic field. So when you're outside connected to the earth walking barefoot, the body's also getting information from the earth. Mm. And when you go out first thing in the morning and, you, and you're barefoot and you're watching the sunrise, that tells your body kind of, it sets your body for the day and it gives your body the programming for how it should operate throughout the day. So that's it at kind of a high level. We can dig deeper if we want to, but, but Meredith, do you want to add anything to that? So I, I won't add any explanation, but I'll just add a lot of time times when we start talking about this, people will say like, oh, well, I, I suffer from like such and such, mm -hmm. would light help? 
And the answer is, you know, and I'm like, well, I don't actually know anything about that condition, but the answer is yes, because you cannot, you cannot get better, you know, unless it's one of those rare actual genetic diseases that like a CRISPR or something could deal with, but like everything else, like from cancer to on down, everything else, you need to optimize your light environment to get better. Like you just in, in the, the modern world, the way it's constructed in the way we live, we, we actually, we, there's no way that we can regain our health if we don't understand this. So it, I just wanted to really hammer that. Cause I think sometimes we're like, Oh, there's, there's another helpful thing we can do, but it's like, if you don't do this and you're sick, you're not going to get better. And so, and that's, yeah, so that's go, oh, so go ahead, Nathan. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to say real quick, that that's the beauty of it. Like a lot of people hear quantum physics and they're just like, that's way above my head. I can't understand that. So it can be super complicated, but it can also be very simple too, where all we have to do is, is reconnect with nature and that will help to move our health in a positive direction. Now, I, I love this conversation because I'm, I'm doing another series called Mars Chronicles. We're kind of on hiatus right now until we can get some uh, uh, guests scheduled out. Uh, but one of the things that we learned is when astronauts go to space and they get a certain distance away from the Earth, their circadian rhythm resets to about 29.5 days, which was interesting because that's not the rotational period of the Earth. But instead, many speculated it was the rotational period of Mars. Um, but there was speculation that the Earth once had a much, much um, sh- shorter, not shorter, but um, slower rotational revolution and a more uh, uh, circular orbit a long time ago before the moon. So it's just one of those speculations. But, um, you know, when we start talking circadian rhythms, when we start talking about nature's balance, um, this is something that plagues everybody. This This is something that I would say produces probably 98% of all disease and illness within humanity. That and a poor diet, I mean, you put those two together and you get the catalyst for disaster. If you think about how unnutritious our foods are, um, how poisoned our air and our water and our soil is, and then you take people out of that environment where their body is synchronizing with the earth and the sun, um, you're asking for trouble. Yeah, it's really interesting you bring that up because Scott Kelly has an identical twin. He's a, he's an astronaut, mm-hmm. and he spent like over a year in space. I forget how long, but he was up in space for a very long time. And if you go back, I don't know, twenty years, people would tell you if you're identical twins, you have the same DNA, you're going to have the same health outcomes. Mm-hmm. Now we know that's not true because of epigenetics. So Scott Kelly's environment was radically different than his twin brother. And he aged like several years from that experience of being up in space. And NASA did tests on Scott Kelly's DNA and his brother's DNA and all the blood and all these different markers. They were very different just from that experience and that changed environment from being up in space. Wow. And just think about that. I mean, you know, this is something that through observation people can notice. Um, If you get away from the big city, you go out camping, you get out to the countryside. Um, But I I noticed this one time. I was um, getting ready to go have a knee surgery, and I was in Bethesda, Maryland at the Naval Hospital. 
And I, they had this little, like, uh, I don't want to say it's a foyer, but they had, like, this little walkout area. It was a nice little park area right between the two hospital buildings. And there's a road that passed by. There's a parking garage over here. But across was National Forest. It was just all wooded areas. And you go out there and you hear all the cicadas. You hear all the birds singing. You hear all the animals chirping. You just hear all these sounds, crickets, everything. And then all of a sudden you hear a car with loud music rolling and boom, 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 rolling by. And you hear the whole sound of nature come down to a silence as the car rolls by. Then when the car passes, it all starts up back again, like someone's turning the volume up slowly, and it all comes back. And then another car rolls by, and it goes down again. And you realize how syncopated all the, the insects and the animals and the plants in nature really are with the, the rhythms of the planet, and then how much dissonance actually affects it, that there is this natural harmonic variance that occurs in the planet, and it can be disrupted, it can be interfered with, and that when it does, it has certain minute ramifications, and that's really, if we look at it like in our sense of our bodies and our health, is that we are frequency beings, and that the food that we put in our bodies is a frequency and if that frequency is in dissonance, then that's dissonance for our body. That the light that we're affecting our body has a certain rhythm to it. And if you affect that rhythm in a different way, that's dissonance to that body. And so, I, I mean, I, I, I love electronics. I love quantum physics. I've been a student of it for a very, very long time. But all of this just seems to click and make sense. Yeah. Josh, that's a beautiful way to describe it. And what you noticed with the sounds and how the sound of a man-made machine interrupted the coherence of nature. Mm -hmm. um, that's a beautiful description. And that's exactly what's happening at the quantum level when we expose ourselves to, um, you know, bright light bulbs at night or to the the EMFs coming out of our phone. Um, but up until recently, we didn't have a biological language to explain it. So it didn't, so, you know, we didn't pay any attention to it. Um, and now we do. Hmm. Nathan, you wanted to say something on that? Yeah, well, I, I was just going to say you hit on two very important things. You made the comments a little while back about our food and when you're eating whole foods, when you're eating foods from nature, they're very electron dense. And when you go to the grocery store, you go to the middle and you get food that's in a package or a jar or a can, that's very electron poor. And the other thing you're talking about food and, and information, remember the, the body breaks down food into electrons. A mitochondria uses those, those electrons and it can interpret where that electron got its energy from. Hmm. So when you eat local food, that's in circadian alignment hmm. with the body. But if you live in New York and it's the winter time and you're eating pineapples, that pineapple was growing 2000 miles away or 1500 miles away, wherever that electron from that pineapple is very different from the electrons in the food where you live. And, and that in itself can be a circadian disruption. Wow. That, that's an incredible analogy as well, is if you think about the, the different variants, I, I call it harmonic variants on the planet, is that you have one circadian rhythm, which is set really by the sun, but you have different cycles that are played out through various different parts of the earth. And this is one thing that I'm actually noticing right now, and I'll, I'll kind of explain this in a second, but that, that foods grown a thousand miles away basically have the resonance of that geographical area. 
of the circadian rhythm of everything surrounding that. And then when that goes into a body of somebody who lives 2000 miles away on the other side of the planet and they're attuned to their natural environment, even if their natural environment is um, inhibited by man-made stuff, um, it, it sets their, their rhythms off. It acts as a point of dissonance. Um, one thing that I noticed, I've, I've always been, um, well, how about I've lived in Colorado for 12 years. And um, I wasn't really that, uh, I was just out of the military when I moved there. I was about 200 pounds, which for me, 200 pounds is very, very uh, muscular. Very, very muscular, uh, not shredded, but um, yeah, <laughs> I can throw my weight around, right? Um, and I moved out there. And, and since then, you know, 12 years, I've gained a significant amount of weight. And I've taken it off before, but then eventually gained it back. And in Colorado, it's like I'm always hungry. Like, I can never be satisfied. And so I thought maybe I'm allergic to carbohydrates, right? And so, you know, I would cut out carbohydrates. I'd lose a lot of weight. But then you kind of go back out to that and you start eating again. But, like, you know, you'll have a piece of pizza and you'd have to have, like, four or five pieces. I mean, even just to even think that you're full. I just came back to New York. Now, you got to remember, Colorado is at an altitude of 5,280 feet, one mile up in the air. And I come down to New York, which is just, you know, not right at sea level, but above sea level. And uh, I had a a piece and a half of pizza the other day, and I couldn't eat another bite. I started eating other carbs. And usually when I eat carbs, I get like, you know, that bloat. You start getting bloated and stuff. And I felt that all the time in Colorado. That's one of the reasons why I thought I was allergic. I don't get that here in New York. And I eat just a little bit of food, and I'm full now. And I'm like... But guess what? I grew up here. I grew up in this town. And so I started thinking about it. And this is the crazy thing about this conversation tonight. And I'm like, what if the food that I'm eating there, what if it's something to do with the altitude? Or what if it's something to do with the resonance, the, the circadian re- resonance or the, 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 the harmonic variance of the different places I've lived at? And even though I've been there for 12 years, my body still hasn't adjusted because my bodies are more aligned towards the, the electromagnetic spectrum that is presented here in this geographical area. Yeah, well, I mean, here's the thing with, with your mitochondria. They, they rapidly adapt to the new environment that you're in. So they're, they're constant. your mitochondria, they're sensors. So essentially, you have billions of these sensors in your body and like if i walk down the hall in my house they're sensing when i walk by a light switch mm-hmm. or a power line in the house or maybe the wi-fi signal is a little bit stronger so they're constantly making adjustments based on the the environment like second to second but one of the reasons that, that could be is just that that feeling of being home mm-hmm. probably a good feeling right I'm back it's, it's, home. Yeah, it's all right. I'm not gonna lie. You got your mother's house. You know, stress plays a really big role in in it in it too. So I mean, I mean, there's so many factors, and that's one of the things that can make turning your health around challenging. Is kind of identifying all the factors are take that are taking away from your health, and then kind of figuring out what are the factors I can add that are going to improve my health. Mm. Well, what are the factors that we can add that can improve our health? Merida? So, <clears throat> I think one of the 
one of the easiest and be the and best and, and most important ones is the sun. So <clears throat> I think it's really interesting what you were saying about like sometimes you can eat a certain food and sometimes you can't. Um, you know, I find that if I'm getting my sun diet right, because from a quantum perspective, we're photosynthetic beings mm -hmm. just like plants, right? Like where light is is food to our cells. So I have found that if I um, go outside around sunrise and program my eyes and my skin with the frequencies of sunrise so that my hormones and everything is like put in motion at the right time for the day, um, I can eat a piece of pizza hmm. and feel fine. If I am not doing that, if those things are out of sync, um, I can't, or I, or if I do, I feel bloated. And we spent years on a gluten-free diet because my daughter couldn't digest these foods. But again, we were, we had moved to the other, we were living in Hong Kong. We'd moved to the other side of the world. We were in a high rise. We were sealed inside most of the time because it's so hot there. Um, I didn't know anything about light. We had random lights on and screens on at all times of day. Um, and yeah, we had we had to have a restricted diet um, in order to function. And then once we optimized our light, I mean, we don't eat pizza often, mm -hmm. but uh, when we do, it's fine. <laughs> so it's it's like as Nathan was saying, like all of these factors play a role. But I have found that I have a lot more flexibility with other things if I take care of the of the light piece. Mm. That's, that's important to know. I mean, in the light piece, I mean, maybe you guys can explain that because the sun rises and the sun sets and the sun goes through various different uh, expenditures of frequencies at the sunrise. We are more aligned, I believe towards the blue spectrum and then towards the night we're more aligned towards the red spectrum. Is that correct? Uh, well, so, so yeah. oh, I'm sorry. Oh, no, I'm Meredith. There you go. I, I, so I was just going to say, so blue light is what sets the circadian rhythm. We're most sensitive to blue light. So in the morning when the sun is rising, there's, there's red light, but there's a lot of blue light. And that's a signal to your body to really kind of to release hormones mm. and kind of get you started for, started for the day. Then a little bit later, UVA light enters the spectrum. And that's kind of like the break on the hormones. Tells your body, okay, you've released enough hormones. And if you're out in the sun, if there's an excess of hormones, it'll kind of break them down. And the, the body can repurpose those for a later use. Now, we, where people run into trouble with light is when they're disconnected from natural light. Because when you're inside, you're pretty much only getting blue light. So your body gets that on switch to release the hormones but you're not getting UVA light inside. So you're not getting that break. It's kind of like your car. If you, if you hit the gas all the time and never hit the brake, at some point you're going to crash. And the same is with your body. If your body's just getting a signal to be on, go, 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 release hormones. And it never gets the kind of the counterbalance, the off switch. At some point the body fatigues, but because it can only, it only has so many uh, resources to make things that the body needs. Mm. 
and you essentially kind of burn through them. And then at night, when you get exposed to blue light, you're not getting the melatonin release. You need melatonin to get into a deep restorative sleep. Now, red light, we have photoreceptors in our eyes and in our skin. We have photoreceptors for red light too. So we have millions, trillions of different photoreceptors which are detecting the levels of blue light, the levels of red light, the levels of green, yellow, orange, all these different frequencies. And the body kind of makes adjustments because throughout the day, those, those frequencies are very dynamic. They're always changing hmm. if you get them from the sun. But if you're living in a skyscraper in Hong Kong and you're never going outside, that frequency is static. It's never changing. So the body's not getting that information that it needs. So d does that make sense, Josh? It, it does. It does. And I was also thinking about the evolutionary fact that um, for the longest time, human beings grew up at nighttime by light of the, the, the fire, right? Which has the red glow. And then we went to incandescent light bulbs, which had very much the same light spectrum. But now we're on LED lights, which are more arranged towards the blue light spectrum. And now we're seeing all various different types of diseases. Yeah, you nailed it. Yeah, that's exactly it. And you can you can look at the timeline of the change in the light bulbs. Um, and you can look at the timeline of chronic illness and they line right up. Right. Wow. And you, you think of the explosion in ADHD and, you know, especially, um, you know, mental health issues with adolescents and teenagers and everyone's blaming social media, which does, I think, you know, from a psychological perspective, play a role, but I'm convinced that what's playing a much bigger role is that these children are looking at their phones mm. all night long. So they are, they're, they're frying their brains, right? Like it's, it's impossible to have uh, healthy levels of serotonin and dopamine and all of the, you know, and to have a, a restorative night's sleep and all of the things that we need to function. Um, if you have a device in front of your face in the middle of the night, every night, all the time, like it, it will fry your brain and it will, it will lead to all of to all of these issues that we're seeing and everyone is you know we're only looking at it from a psychological perspective and we're we're missing the fact that we that we're completely frying the wiring um so even if you get the psychological support that you need if you don't address that situation um you know you you're you can't get better hmm. Now, is it something where is if let, let's say that you had uh, a, a lifelong habitation of the cell phone and you never went outside and you were just completely secluded um, and you start developing symptoms or rare diseases or whatever. Is it something that can change instantly the moment you start going outside and getting that sunlight and start developing your your habitual patterns to the circadian rhythms of the planet? I'll give a quick answer and then Nathan can probably elaborate. So my understanding is that you can reset your circadian rhythm quite quickly, like within a couple of days. So if, um, if a person starts, I use, I kind of fell off the wagon a little. So the last few days I've set my alarm for 525. So I am outside as the sun comes up and 
Um, the first two days I, I would fall back asleep again. And by the third day I was up for the day because um, I was reset. And I saw recently, I, I think Andrew Huberman posted research that he'd come across about this, where within two days you can reset your circadian rhythm um, and have all of those things be functioning the way they're supposed to. Healing your mitochondria, uh, that is not something that will happen right away. Um, that's probably a longer process, a much longer process. And maybe Nathan could speak to that. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah. I mean, every, everyone has their own context, right? If I've been glued to my cell phone and been inside for 20 years, eating shit food and watching TV, like that's a lot of consecutive damage mm. for two decades. That That's one example versus somebody that they were healthy most of their life, then they got really busy with work. Maybe, maybe for two years, they were just kind of work, 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 and they lost motivation to go outside and exercise, and they were too busy, so they're just eating junky food. And all of a sudden, they're just like, shit, I gained 30 pounds. I'm dragging, I don't feel good. Somebody like that, they're gonna be able to turn it around pretty quick. But if you've been living a, like an unhealthy lifestyle for 20, 30 years, it's gonna take some time. And today everyone's looking for that quick fix, mm -hmm. right? People are like, just tell me what to take. And I just want to be better. A pill for every ill. And I, I, and I wish it was that simple. Yeah. Because when I lost my health, that's what I want. My doctor, tell just tell me what to take. And he, my doctor sold me $1,200 worth of supplements. And I was just like, yes, but it didn't do anything because I didn't change my lifestyle. Hmm. I was staying up late. I wasn't getting sleep. You need sleep for the body to heal and repair. I was chronically stressed. When your body's in fight or flight, it's not going to heal. So there's, there's a lot of different, different factors, right? Versus someone that kind of says, okay, I'm going to make a lifestyle change. And they're, they're very intentional about managing stress in a healthy way. They're very intentional about getting out to see the sunrise every day. They're working a busy job, but they're going outside. They're, they're taking sun breaks. On the weekends, they're relaxing. They're going for a hike. So there's, it, it's, it's just so complicated because there's so many different variables. Mm -hmm. Everyone's kind of, there's kind of like the obvious lifestyle things, like eating junky food and being under bad lights being in a high EMF environment, but then there's like the other part of it of like, like what's going on, on inside your head. Mm. You might be outside, but if you're still constantly beating yourself up and like calling yourself, like I'm such an idiot and you've got these like bad tapes running in your mind, that's another source of inflammation, right? That's going to put your body in fight or flight. Just your thoughts alone create all different chemicals in your body. So Meredith mentioned serotonin and, and dopamine before. Like, we, one of the things I wanted to talk about is connection, like the power of connection for for healing. Like Josh and I, we've known each other for a couple of years now, and like last night we met in person, and that was a completely different experience. And when you hang out with people, especially people that you like, your body makes more dopamine, it makes more serotonin, which is very different from going on Facebook or playing a video game 
or having a drink or taking a drug and getting dopamine that way. Hmm. You can get dopamine from an artificial means or you can get it from a natural means. People have been making dopamine from community, from getting together for hundreds of thousands of years. So there's that whole aspect of it too. Well, well, let's talk about that. So one of the things that special operations community in our U.S. military realized very early on when they were beginning with the frogmen and uh, the, the special forces uh, within the army, they started to realize that they needed much, much smaller units other than these big battalions. And they started researching this and they found um, basically went to indig indigenous tribes or hunting parties. And they found out that in ancient cultures, indigenous tribes would form hunting parties of no more than five people. And they were basically five-person teams, no more, no less. And that was the ideal amount of people together to go out there and actually go hunt the prey, um, go out there for five, six days at a time. Um, and they found within the community that those groups usually formulated within that connection of about five people, whether it was various different groups, cooking groups, mother groups, raising children, teaching groups, whatever. And it's kind of like this magical number for a human connection is, is about five people. I mean, I can count five people who are like my best friends in the, in the whole world, right? So this thing with connection, this, this human connection, um, it, does this have anything to do with kind of maybe our hearts, the connectiveness of our hearts, the, the biorhythms that occur within our body? Or is it more of a psychological aspect? Is it a geographical aspect? What, what are your thoughts? And it goes to either one. Yeah, I think it's all of it. Um, I think again, like once you are, once you start thinking of of a human being as a, as a quantum system, then absolutely everything that we come in contact with is having a continuous influence on us. So from you know, and there's like all of that fabulous research from the HeartMath Institute, right, where you're mm -hmm. about coherence around the heart. And that kind of thing but it's but it's everything so if we're around people who make us feel a certain way we're feeding our system with that information and we're telling our bodies that the world is a fun and safe and happy place and when we walk in a forest or on the grass with our bare feet nature is sending us safety signals when we go outside and let our eyes adjust to the natural light the light is sending our bottoms our bodies safety signals so everything that we do is continuously feeding information into our system and our bodies are making sense of it on some level and using it to to either heal or get stressed out and we i think you know as humans can take a tremendous amount of stress like we really can which i think is the other wonderful thing about being intentional about about this right like if i get if i can get like seven things going really well, then if there's five things that are still stressing me out, at least I'm balanced, you know, I'm continuously in a state of balance. So the more we understand the, um, the benefits of doing these things, right? Like, so you guys meeting up for a drink was like, people think of it like, oh, well, if I have time, I'll squeeze that in. And it's like, it is like a having a drink with a friend or, or going for a walk with a friend is like a fundamental hmm. element of health on every level. 
you know, it, it's interesting that you said that because it, it makes you think about um, kind of like the information aspect of this, right? Is that you, you develop these perspectives of people, the, let's just say these harmonic or these frequency perspectives of people when you don't meet them, but you communicate with them often and you talk to them like me and me and uh, uh, Nathan there, right? And then when you actually meet them, what it does is it fulfills that internal perspective, and so, like Nathan said, is you have all these thoughts, right? And these thoughts shape hormones and reactions and biochemical reactions within the body. They also formulate into various different perspectives of memory within your body. And so what happens is, is it comes to fruition, right? Is like you go and actually meet that person. You actually have that connection. Now your, your mind, your body, your soul connects with that person and retrieves that missing part of the information about that person and then updates its memory stores. And, and it brings about, I think, a deeper and, and more, uh, uh, a higher level of connectedness. Yeah, 100%. So it was so funny. I When I was driving out to see Josh and his brother Jay, he, he's like, uh, I'm going to be drinking a beer. You're probably going to yell at me. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm going to have a beer with you. And it kind of goes back to what Meredith said about eating pizza. Like, I went through a phase of my life. I was just like, oh, gluten, I can't have gluten. I'd go to a party, I'd be miserable because I'd look around and be like, I can't eat any of this. Yeah. But there's something about connection. Like now I'm at a time in my life where I can eat pizza and it doesn't bother me. If I'm hanging out with friends, we're all eating pizza, I'm going to eat pizza because that's part of that connection, right? It, and if it made me really sick, I, I wouldn't do that. And I used to be a big drinker. I still drink some, but much more moderately now. And yeah. um if I'm seeing a friend and they're drinking a beer, I'm, I'm going to drink a beer because that's just, it's all part of the connection in the experience. And it's just, it's getting on that, that same wavelength, right? And it's, it's adding that kind of that missing information, but I, I love how both of you guys put that. So. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're also making me think of, you know, like support groups, right? Right. Or AA meetings where people are like, well, I can't get through the day without a drink. And then they, they go to a room and they're with other people and they get in resonance with them and coherence and they they laugh and they hear, they hear things that they relate to and they hear people like, oh, I used to do that and now I don't, it's all, you know, and all of a sudden that, you know, I've heard people say like that desire to drink is gone. And they're like, I can't believe it. Like I used to like, there's no way I would be able to go to bed without having a drink but being in, in a room with people and having that connection, it's super interesting that it, it fulfilled some kind of need and gave them that kind of, like you were saying, Josh, like it, it provided that, that dopamine that they were getting from, from drinking before. Right. And it, and also fills in that kind of like patternized uh, information pattern. I, I don't want to say patternized information, but patternized information within um, within our body, within our, I guess, your your energetic vortex that exists around your body, right? It, it starts filling in that missing information and now it becomes complete and, and it starts answering unanswered questions. Uh, I, I look at it just as everything is energy patterns, right? So if I've never met someone, I have a perceptional um, idea of who and what they are, what their energy is, right? Their energy alignment. And so I create that and I store that in my, my energy vortex or my memory. And then when I actually meet them, what happens, it's like a computer software. It completely updates it, right? Performs the accuracy check, 
checks the accuracy against what I perceived it was and then updates it to what it actually is. And, and this is, I mean, this is kind of the, the connectedness that we all go through in life. When we meet new people, um, we can have a, a perception of a person, right? We meet them, you know, uh, you know, people who date, they meet online and like, Oh my God, you're so awesome. Well, man, I groove with you. And then they meet in real life and they're just like, no, this, 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 doesn't, this isn't going to work. Right. Um, because we're all at various different frequencies and we all resonate differently together, but we develop these perceptions of other people. And these perceptions can sometimes be wrong or they can be highly accurate. Um, and, and really it comes about to meeting in person. And I think when we meet in person, really what happens is that we have a, a different level of intentional energy that is projected out by our minds. Um, I always call this the intention attention scenario to where we develop this, this imaginatory aspect of whatever it is we want to create in reality, whether it's a relationship or whether it's uh, the, the meeting of a new human being, whether it's uh, bringing something into our life, whether it's the creation of something, is we develop this idea in our mind, in our imagination. And with that, we attach feeling, we attach emotion, we attach, a, we attach a future perspective of what we want to achieve from that feeling, emotion, all these different things. And what happens is, is we send that down this line of attention towards that interaction, that relationship that we have with those other people. And what happens is we get to formulate our own reality. Reality begins to resonate towards that frequency that we're sending out. And I think that many of us is we're all at variations of this conscious frequency and that occasionally we some people come together and they just resonate at that same frequency and it's like whoa this is awesome some people they're in dissonance you know they're 180 degrees out of phase or they're 90 degrees out of phase um, other people you can you know you can you can change their perspective you can manipulate their energy other people you can steal their energy some people just allow it to pass through i mean a great example of this is um, i think it was uh, kelly baba one of uh, the the good gurus of the 1960s and the 70s um, he was visiting Philadelphia. This is a story I heard a long time ago. He was visiting Philadelphia and he had a whole bunch of uh, hippie, uh, American hippie partition, parishioners who were going to go visit him. And they had no idea when he was coming. And they knew that he would be coming soon. And one day they're all out on this farm outside of Philadelphia and they're all just, you know, smoking weed, being hippies in their commune. And um, they started feeling this overwhelming sense of love. They just had this, this, this deep feeling within themselves that I think he's here. And they followed this sense and they found him at a uh, temple in Philadelphia. And he was there and he had just gotten there. And he says, oh, I knew you would be here soon. And they go, well, how did you know we would be here? Because he goes, because I felt you. I felt you when I came into town. I felt your love. Did you feel my love? And so we kind of have this ability and it's something that we can grow with. And I find it fascinating that the, 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 the level of human connectedness, because you can, you can connect with somebody across the world, right? But I mean, honestly, there's nothing like meeting a person and in, in meeting someone in real life. That's a beautiful story. I love that. And yeah, and I think somebody who who has achieved that level of mastery about being intentional and the strength of the of the resonance that they're giving off it's getting picked up by others um that's really that's a really cool story and i'm thinking too it's making me think all as well as um 
you know, like funerals or celebrations of life mm -hmm. where everybody, you know, what Josh, you were saying about like filling in the blanks, right? Like I would, had, a, had a friend die last year and I knew her in a specific period of life. And then I went to the funeral and, you know, her sister spoke and her childhood got filled in and then her college roommate spoke and that got filled in. And then I spoke and shared about, you know, the experiences that we'd had together. And I could kind of feel like this sense of, of closure mm. happening for everyone in the room who knew her. And it was, it was a year after she died because of, you know, the thing. Um, but it, but I could feel it. Like I could feel all of those pieces coming together and you, and I, and I really in that moment, in that experience realized how, how important it is for humans to be able to do that and to have those kinds of, of traditions and rituals where we, where we come together and share like that. Absolutely. Uh, I'll share this other story. So this is uh, a story that I've heard multiple times and it actually just came across my desk again today. And uh, th this one hit me hard because my grandfather is 94 years old and uh, my aunt just threw him in a nursing home. Um, and kind of where the pet family's kind of pissed off about this, right? Because he's, he's almost, he's almost at that age where he's ready to pass and he could pass any time now. And, and, and in his last moments, his last days, they throw him in a nursing home. It's pretty damn sad. You have to get a COVID test or have the vaccine passport to get in there to see him, which is pissing me off. But, uh, I heard this story come up again and it comes from a 1973 or 74 um, Stanford University study done by a PhD psychologist who was who went in to see her grandfather in a nursing home and notice how just bland everything was and how miserable everybody looked in the nursing home. And she decided to conduct a test. And what she did is they went and they got uh, these rooms in this one building and they renovated it and made everything appear to be from 1955. All the music, all the paintings on the wall, the, the architecture, the building. They had uh, nightly parties where they would go out and dance and it was all 1955 uh, 55 music. The food was all 1955. And they put the, the, the adults or the, the elderly in there for, for one week. And they tested all their hormone levels. They tested um, their, their, their DNA, everything, before they went in. And then they tested them when they came out. And when they came out, these people were actually younger. Their, their brains were healthier. Their memory was better. Their fingers were longer. And, you know, it, it's, it's just interesting because it sparks. I, I look at it as that we have neurological patterns. I look at thoughts as basically resonations, three-dimensional resonations of trillions and trillions of neuro neurons happening at the same time, right? And so if you've ever had that same thought over and over and over again, it's just that neurological pattern in your brain just sparking an electrical conductivity and it's kind of projecting outward. Um, but I think that that comes from a more deeper spiritual level, but this is what happens in the physical life. And I think what happens is, is when you have an environment that stimulates those neurological patterns again, it takes you back in time. It starts having those cells remember what you were like back in that time, what the environment was like, how happy you were, the endorphins kick and everything starts to kick in and you start to fit back into that pattern of that life where you were that happiness, where you had that level of health. Yeah, it, that it's hilarious because yes, in the, in the quantum biology world, we do talk about reverse aging 
Do you want to talk about that, Nathan? Because that's Ooh, that'd be cool. that's exactly we 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 yeah. I mean, once you start connecting to to the sun and to nature and to the frequencies, and you sort of structure your life around having this kind of um, harmonious um, cellular experience on every level, you you age backwards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so right, like. Nathan? It's a hundred percent true. I mean, I'm about to turn 51 and I, I'm not trying to brag here, but, but I'm, I'm physically stronger now than when I was 21 working out way less. I feel I can think better now. And it's just because I've done these things that has helped my body to basically age in reverse. Mm. And at a very high level, the, the number one driver of poor health is the health of your mitochondria. The number one driver of your longevity is the health of your mitochondria. So when you're doing things that destroy the health of your mitochondria, you speed up aging. And unfortunately today, most people are speeding up their age. They're aging at a faster rate. We're seeing chronic onset of chronic disease much younger. We're seeing little kids with, with chronic diseases in, in record numbers, mm. right? But then when you do the right things that help you repair your damaged mitochondria, so good sleep, your body does autophagy. When you fast, your body does autophagy. When you connect to the earth and when you're in nature, you're activating a parasympathetic response, which, which is rest and digest, which puts your body in a healing state. So when, when you do these things enough, you're essentially rebuilding your mitochondria, which is creating more energy for your body. And with that extra energy, your body has more resources to heal and repair itself. Hmm. So the only way to really do that, you can't just go in and, and get a treatment. Maybe it's some someday they'll have that technology that'll just power up all your mitochondria and give you a whole bunch of new ones. The med bed. But now, what's that? The med bed. Yeah, we keep on hearing about that. We'll see what happens. <laughs> but uh, for for now, like the best way I know of is the way you live your life, your lifestyle. And when you do enough things in your life that keep your mitochondria healthy, that grow new mitochondria, that repair damaged mitochondria, you can literally age in reverse. And you can't do it indefinitely. At some point, we're all going to die. But you can well, speak for yourself. You, you, you can rapidly extend your health span. So the years you're living life and you feel healthy, you have the energy and the vitality to do the stuff you want to do. Yeah. I, I'm from the so highlands of Scotland. They call me Duncan McLeod. So yeah, I'm, I'm immortal. <laughs> yeah. And, and so much of it, you know, Meredith is, is talking about connection to the earth and connection to sun a lot of it has to do with our connection with other people too. Mm. And that's, that's kind of like one of the common themes of the blue zones is that everybody had strong community. So they, they had that strong connection and it's, you know, I was listening to the stories you both told, like you're telling the story about the monk or the, the yogi, whoever it was, that connection, his followers had to him. Mm -hmm. They could sense he was in the city. Right. And then Meredith got connected to people she didn't even know when they were sharing about a friend of hers that was a common friend. Yeah. 
So it's it's really interesting how we can make these different connections. And if you think about one of the things that's happened in the past two years and kind of what's happening right now with all the, the division is they're trying to destroy our connection. Well, that's truth. To other people. That is absolutely the truth. And, you know, if you go back to the, the C-19 stuff, right, we're on YouTube, so we can't mention too much about it. But that was one of the purposes of the six-foot separation from people. And then we already know that a smile of an individual has various different uh, hormonal effects on other people. I mean, that's bringing a smile to a face and seeing that actually can change another person's emotional state. So covering the face and then keeping them separated by six feet, which by through the Heart Math Institute, we know that that six feet radius is the, the, the electromagnetic field radi- radius of your heart, of your heart's electromagnetic field is six feet. And so um, Heart Math Institute is showing this that Within that six feet, if someone enters that six feet range of you, they become more trusting to you. And if they exit out of that six feet, you trust them less. And it's because you're both your fields are integrated and you can have a better spiritual sense or energetic sense of who they are, what they represent in the thoughts and the feelings. And you connect and bond on a higher level of relationship. 100%. Absolutely. And when, and I think, you know, when you, I mean, I think in a way it's kind of backfired, right? Because I think sometimes when you take something away is when you really realize Mm. the, the significance of, of the role that it was playing in your life. And uh, we were just deprived of that kind of connection. Um, globally to such an extent that i mean i i always like to see the 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 silver lining so i feel like we're 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 going to come back stronger because it's through missing that right like through i think that if i you know being at that funeral and having such a profound sense of the importance of those kinds of gatherings um I think I, I, I felt that that on such a profound level because we had to wait a year to do it. And because it was, it was so special, we finally got to do it. And it really, you know, heightens the understanding of it. And I think also it heightens our connections with our, with ourselves, right? Like to have conversations on the fringe, you have to be willing to uh, have a certain level of inner um, connectedness mm. and a certain amount of not caring <laughs> or not needing affirmation um, everywhere you go in every mainstream situation. You have to be become the kind of person who's able to do that. Um, and so we're also cultivating, I think, through, through this type of research, uh, a stronger sense of self. I, I 100% agree with that. Um... I, I determined a long time ago that, and I don't want people to think I'm selfish in any way, shape, or form, but uh, my, my purpose was to know myself, was to discover truly who and what I am. And I do that through relationship. And uh, this is something that I talked with Nathan about years back, but 
what happens is, is that everything that we do in life is a relationship. It's a relationship of energy, whether it's a communication between two people, whether it's a communication between the, the devices that you're holding in your hand, whether it's nature, a tree, whether it's food, everything is a relationship. And that relationship is dependent upon the exchange of energy back and forth. And here's the thing is I can never know truly who Meredith or Nathan is. All I can have is a perspective within myself. And I look at it as kind of like levels of a scale, right? Is that I have these areas of development within my own mind, my own body, my own soul, and they're filled up to a certain degree of knowledge of who and what I am at those levels. Well, I can only utilize those as a comparison to how well I'm going to know somebody. So if I meet somebody, I'm registering them on my own internal scale of how well I know myself. Because I can't get inside their mind. I can't know their thoughts. I can't, you know, understand the functionality inside their, bi or their biochemistry or any of these things. I can only have an idea of who they are depending upon how well I know myself. So therefore, all relationship is simply a methodology of knowing yourself. And so I've always looked at that if I want to know a person better, I can only know myself better. So I must study myself and grow myself because the more and the better I know myself, the better I can have in relationships with other people. And the same thing goes, I, I call it for God or the universe or creation, is that I can't know or understand God if I don't know or understand myself. Because that is the same reflection that we're talking about, is I have to have that, that level of understanding within myself before I can even attempt to understand anything greater than myself. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think, I mean, in a weird way, it's, it's the opposite of selfish because once we are on the path to obtaining that kind of, uh, you know, inner knowing or know thyself, mm -hmm. um, we become a person who doesn't, who, I mean, we have needs, but we're not needy, right? Like I don't, I don't put, make it the responsibility of everyone around me and everything around me to validate who I am because I know who I am. <laughs> and so in the, I think that that path of, of a commitment to an inner knowing makes us less selfish. It makes us more generous. It makes us more available. It makes us more willing to take risks and do fringy things and not worry about it. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. I love fringy things. I'm the type of person who will be at like a suit and tie dinner and everybody's all high class and high society. And I'd be like, Hey, do you guys believe in aliens? What do you guys think about UFOs or, you know, Hey, do you guys ever seen a ghost? And they're all just looking at me like, huh? And then there'll always be that one be like, yeah, man, I know what you're talking about. And it'd be like instant connection. And then everybody else would join in. Cause it's the most interesting conversation there. That's typically how I am. Yeah. Cause it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you're being fun. Well, Every, you know, people are so desperate and thirsty for just like just to have fun and laugh and talk about whatever they feel like. Well, Good it, for you. that's one of the things about this show is I, I typically whenever someone's coming onto the show, and we have a few minutes to talk. I'll be like. Um, well, this is called conversation on the fringe. This is not an interview. This is a conversation. I might ask some questions that, you know, are uncomfortable. Because we're having a conversation. I mean, it's, I, I truly want to know what people are thinking. 
what what their mind not what they wrote in a book not what they researched and studied and wrote down as fact but i want to know what they think about those things i want to know what they feel about those things because that's where the true conversation starts to come about like i've had uh, michael cremo i've had him on my show i've interviewed him four times and he's been on this show three times and um, he's, he's much older now, but he's an awesome human being. He, uh, he did a series back in the 1990s called Forbidden Archaeology, which was on NBC. And he was an archaeologist who started discovering, you know, the, the pickaxe in the 500 million year old coal deposits, um, the three, the three billion year old, um, spherical balls that had mysterious writing on them, um, a oh. human footprint from 220 million years ago, um, right next to the dinosaur footprints. Um, and, and he starts bringing all this stuff up to the surface and he called it forbidden archaeology. And he's been a legend within like the conspiracy and the truth movement ever since. And when I interview him, I always ask, well, Michael, what do you think it was? And he goes, well, I can't tell you what I think or feel. I can only tell you what it is. And, th- and eventually he finally warms up and he'll be like, well, you know, this is what I think it is. Right. And, and that's what you want. You don't want these scientists or these people that are, um, you know, enveloped within the research to tell you the research. I want to know what you feel about the research. I want to know what you think about the research. Where is the research leading you? How does it feel internal to yourself? And how can you extrapolate that to other people who might be looking to research that stuff? Because sometimes research can just get incredibly boring. You know, I don't want to sit there and read research papers all day, but I want to know how people feel about it who are the subject matter experts on that. For sure. And I think that's really interesting because um, Nathan and I are talking a lot about like, quantum biology and the the researchers who actually coined that phrase in a book, The Coming Age of Quantum Biology, um, were academic researchers. And they figured it out by studying birds and realizing that birds use a quantum mechanics to navigate and things like that. But they made zero connection to human health, like mm. zero like none. It took it took a guy, um, Dr. Jack Cruz, and like people who are just like looking at things and and don't didn't have that kind of yeah those academic strictures around and just were just like throwing out theories and he and being like well what does this mean you know what does this mean for human health and if that's true then and then you know there's this other research over here then oh well, and that ties this together and this ties that together but yeah. It took, it takes people who are just willing to go with their gut and like think out loud and play with it um, and don't feel confined to, to be like, well, oh, the research says this. So that's all I can say. But- yeah. I want an extrapolation on the research. And, and that's the beautiful thing about shows like this and, and what you guys are doing at Quantum Health TV is you know, people get to have those conversations is that the information gets to go out there and those ideas upon the information get to be extrapolated. And it's through the extrapolation of ideas of research that innovation can finally come about. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, on that note, Meredith, do you want to talk a little bit about the Quantum Biology Collective? Uh, sure, yeah. It's So it is, it is just a, a loose collective of... Um, practitioners, health coaches, we have doctors who take this seriously and study it and apply it with their patients and with themselves and then share with, you know, we just did a summit where people came and did, Nathan gave a talk and 
people come in and give talks and share where they're at. Um, because what we realized, you know, I kept following this information and there's so much out there and it's so great. And I'm like, but I'm not hearing about it anywhere. Right. Because it doesn't fit into the institutional silos through which we are spoon fed things 25 years after they've been figured out. Right. There's that huge translational gap. Um, so the quantum biology collective is um, an effort to collapse that gap and just say, we have the information, we have the practical experience, we have the technology on the internet to share and publish in, on a mass scale. So why do we have to wait for medical schools or even naturopathic schools mm. for that matter aren't even teaching this yet? Like, why do we have to wait that long? We can just start teaching each other right now. So we are. <laughs> <laughs> and where so and this is a network of practitioners that can help other people um yeah so how where do you find them how, what's the best way to get in contact with them how would how would so someone the, like me if i wanted it yeah quantumbiologycollective.org and that'll bring you to a directory so it's it's early days but um we're filling it up Nathan's in there. There's um, lots of practitioners in there. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them practice virtually. So uh, location's not an issue. Um, and whether you need an MD, there's a, there's uh, at least three different MDs in there who do general health. Some of them can be primary care providers um, or a health coach or a fitness trainer, right? Just to have somebody in your life who understands the quantum biologic perspective on health. That the That's the goal of the directory is to give people access mm. to a practitioner who understands that. And then we also do courses and practitioner training for people who would like to become uh, quantum practitioners. Yeah, gotcha. and there's a, there's a ton of videos too that really break down quantum physics, quantum health, quantum biology, and make it very approachable. Like when I first got into this, kind of the only place to learn it was on jackcruise.com and the blogs were super deep, super technical. It, like literally these blogs would take me an hour or two just to read one blog and there's tons of them. And it's like, you read the blog and you're still not really sure how, how do I apply this? Some blogs are better, better than others. And a lot of people were, were really kind of like, I'm intrigued by this, but I just don't understand it. So Meredith and Jason, they put this together and there's a whole bunch of videos. Some videos are 10 minutes, some are an hour, but they really kind of break down all the different pieces like circadian rhythm, quantum biology, um, exercise. And they kind of give you like a little um, bite-sized pieces of this very valuable information. So you can take it and then you can take action with it or if you want to get help from somebody, then you can you can find a practitioner too. Right, and I got I got the website pulled up right there. You guys can see that the Healing Power of Light, the Quantum Biology Collective, um, and so you guys can go check that out. The link is now in the description, so you guys can go check that out. It's also being published in the chat, so please go check that out. And um, I'm actually going to check it out because I think this is pretty cool. I love these conversations, um, you know. We have to understand that we we tend to look at everything in the highly complex perspective of life as we see it. 
um, we're seeing everything coming at this point of fruition, right? We have trillions upon trillions of cells doing hundreds of thousands of biochemical interactions per second. Um, and we're a collaboration of all these things happening on a planet with trillions to the trillionth power of organisms and chemical interactions happening in a solar system with ad infantum and in a galaxy ad infantum and in a universe ad infantum. And so we live in a highly complex system. But if we break everything down in very, very simplistic ideas and terminologies, if we look at everything from the quantum perspective of how everything interacts with each other in the sense of energetic transference and in the sense of uh, quantum interaction that it becomes really, really easy and simple to see how the, the bigger picture is actually developed. And when we understand, like kind of what Nathan said, is the easiest thing to do to change your life is the hardest thing to do to change your life, and that's change your habits. It, it's change these patterns within your life because everything comes back to these patterns. Patterns are patterns in your life or habits are nothing more than dissonant rhythms. Bad, bad habits are dissonant rhythms. There are these different patterns, dissonant patterns in your life that you're doing that are producing bad results. Um, Einstein once said, doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity. So if you're continuously doing bad habits that are producing bad results in your life, well, then you're insane. And change those habits and make them good habits. And if you start doing good habits and you start getting good results, well, then guess what? You're a smart person. And I think that's what we all need to take in the context is you know, look at the simpler perspective. And I think that's what you guys are talking about here with Quantum Biology Collective is people can go there and, and start learning the, the simple explanations of what we're talking about here. They can start understanding the simple techniques that they can incorporate into their daily life and even get a practitioner to come out and help them begin the implementation, give them the the, the support if they need it as well. If there's other things, you know, there's um, supplementation, there's uh, routines that can be developed. Am I right on that? It's kind of what this, uh, the collective does. Yeah. Yeah. And it really gives power back to the individual. Mm. You know, like one of the habits that got us into trouble is thinking, giving our power away that we have the ability to heal ourselves. And we're outsourcing that to a doctor mm. that doesn't know the first thing about healing. And it's, it's not necessarily their fault because they spend 10 years going through med school and residency and, and all that. And it's drilled into their head. This is how it's done. This is how it's done. You're so busy. You don't have any time to think. And next thing they, they know, they're completely depressed. They have one of the highest suicide rates because they spent a decade of their life trying to help people. And what they were taught isn't helping those people. Mm. Right. Yeah. And, and we, we've had a handful of doctors go through the certification program. They're just like, this is great. It's like, I went, I went to med school to help people and all I'm doing, like, I just write prescriptions. That's not helping people. Yeah. And I can see how they could, they could look at it in that perspective of now they can help people because I, I think that's the most important thing is whenever I, I, I come near somebody, I always have this idea is how can I help them? Even if they don't need my help, even if they're incredibly wealthy or they're incredibly healthy, I always look at it in the sense is how can I benefit their life with either information or something that I can do? And I don't know if that's just something that's ingrained within me, my psyche, um, but I think that's what a lot of us want to do. We always want to contribute to society, to the community, we want to contribute to humanity. Um, and, and the easiest way to do that is to help somebody by 
you know, providing them the right piece of information. I mean, uh, if someone came up to you today and they said, hey, I got stage four cancer, I was given six months to live, I would go right to my notes and I would start pulling up everything I can find on alternative cancer treatments. And I would say, hey, look, you know what? I don't want to intrude, but take a look at this stuff. Start, start researching this. Look into this. This is, this is what I've seen. This is what I've heard. This is what I've been told. Maybe contact this person, right? Um, it was like, a, I saw another TikTok today. I, I watch a lot of TikToks today. I'm on vacation. And uh, it was this older black gentleman. And he said, uh, the, his grandson, he's like, he's like, granddad, you know, uh, do you have hope? And he goes, hope? He goes, fuck hope. Hope, hope is nothing but garbage. You, you can't do anything with hope. You can't take hope to the bank. You can't cash in hope. Hope don't pay the bills, right? And he goes, you got to know in your heart what it is. You got to believe it within your heart. If you want something in life, you know it within yourself. You believe it within yourself. You don't hope that it's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. And he was, I mean, like an 80-year-old black man. He was absolutely spot on correct. And stop having hope in the future and start knowing exactly what you want. Start going after what you want. Know that you can heal your body. Know that you can heal your mind. Know and understand that you can have exactly what you want in life. Simply, it's just a choice. And then the discipline to change the habits. Yeah, yeah. It, that's, that's faith, right? Yeah. Hope is like, I'm going to do this. I, I hope it works. Faith is like, I'm going to do the best I can. And at some point, I'm going to come out better. Yep. I don't know when it's going to happen, but I'm going to keep on doing the best I can do. And something good is going to happen. Something good will come of it. Yeah. We had, I was interviewing one of the, one of the doctors who, who recently shifted to a quantum model and she was working with a young woman who had had been trying to lose weight and trying and trying and trying. And she, um, you know, had her start with light protocols and going outside and going for walks instead of going, instead of, you know, doing CrossFit or whatever, just doing more gentle things. And she started to lose weight and she, she came back, you know, for her next check-in and she was crying. And she said to this doctor, um, Dr. Knight, she said, thank you. I feel like I can trust my body again. Mm. Right. And it's, I just loved that so much because it's not like losing weight is, was important, but what was underneath that. Right. And when we, when we come through this approach, we're coming into resonance with everything. We're coming into that knowing, like I now I know where to put my body in time and space yeah that it's going to be healing instead of hurtful and and i can trust that that's going to work i i think trust is a big factor and and the the trust is trust in yourself is simply confidence right and so when you begin to make the right decisions in life and you start seeing results from it that that confidence and that trust overall grows um, and I think that's important for people because a lot of people, what they'll do is they'll go on a diet or they'll change their habits and routines and they won't see the results they want or they won't see them fast enough. And they get discouraged and they lose hope and they revert back to their old habits and, and behaviors because those are ingrained within their system from many, many years of doing it. But, you know, people need to do the right things. And, 
You know, I don't think there's any one diet out there that rules them off. I would probably say something more along the lines of paleo, um, higher carnivore content, meat content diet. Um, I know some people are vegan and, and, and that's how your biochemistry just fits that way, right? So some people's biochemistry is different. Other people's biochemistry is different. Neanderthal, the, deno- the, the, the denosian or the denovian, right? It depends what your genetic strain, uh, lineage is. But when we start to look at it is find what's right for you. Find what grooves and resonates with you. And if it's working, if you're seeing results, continue to do it. Make it a habit. Make it a pattern. You know, make it a part of your life, if it, especially if it feels good. Yeah. And, and find other people who are doing that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's so much easier to make a change when you've got some communities and points of reference. Uh, in person is ideal, but even if it's online, right? Like even I just, my, my Instagram is filled with people who watch sunrises. So, so, you know, just seeing photos of the sunrise, I'm like, oh yeah, that's what I do. That's my thing. I love that. <laughs> Don't always feel like getting up. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's back to what we were talking about before, right? The connection that feeds into the change of habit by, by being around other people who are doing the same thing. And then when somebody make some comment or like, oh, you're going to do your own research. Oh, you think you're so smart. Oh, you know, and it's like, <laughs> you're like, yeah, I am. Yeah, I do. No, I've, you know what? I can go to PubMed and read a research paper. Like I'm not, <laughs> I don't need that to have it filtered through 17 layers of bureaucracy. Like I can do that. <laughs> yeah. I don't need a peer reviewed paper to be peer reviewed by somebody <laughs> else to be interpreted for me. I can, I'm a big boy. I understand the dictionary. I know what the definition of words are and I can understand things at a very, very high level. Thank you though, doctor. Oh yeah, I know I had a, I had a doctor who wanted to vaccinate my children and he's like, no, no, you need to get them vaccinated. And this was before COVID. Um, but he was just talking about regular vaccinations and I'm like, no, no, we, we've researched it. And he goes, oh, you're one of those. You research things yourself, huh? I'm a doctor. I've read every paper known to man about those things. I go, that's great. And you're still vaccinating children after all that. And he kind of looked at me all dumbfounded. (laughs) And I go, how do you feel about fluoride? And he he looked, he goes, I don't think we're going to be a good fit for your children. And I I left. (laughs) What a dick. Yeah. But all right. So Meredith and Nathan, where can we find you guys? And what do we have coming up with you guys? Uh, so I'm on Instagram at quantum health TV. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can find us, uh, on the quantum biology collective, find one of the practitioners or pop by Instagram and say, hi, we're always, we always, uh, whatever we're up to, we put it on there. Awesome. And Nathan, are you still at journey to optimal health.com? Yeah. My, my website is journey to optimal health.com. My handle on Instagram is at journey to optimal health. Uh, I don't get on Instagram as much as I used to these days, but now and now and again, I'm on there. Perfect. Well, I appreciate the conversation guys. This was an excellent conversation. Um, you've definitely like made me start thinking, so I'm going to go to the, the, the collective, but I'm probably going to go start watching some videos because I need to do something with my life and my health. It's been a struggle for me since COVID happened. Um, I think everybody is in that same boat. So I know a lot of people here and on the platform are going to go start checking that out because we've all been talking about it. We've all been talking about how it feels like we're moving through jello. 
Um, I don't know if you guys noticed this, but it feels as if life for the last few years has been like moving through jello, trying to get things done, trying to get motivated. It's like you're being impeded by something, and we just call it the jello. Um, but I, I know I've been struggling with it. I know a lot of people on our social network, socialredpill.com, have been struggling with it. And so I urge everybody to go out to the, the, the Quantum Bio- Biology Collective, check it out, um, and watch some of those videos and sign up if you do want to. Um, because I'm definitely going to because I, I, I need to change my life. I need to change my habits. I need to change my behaviors. I need to change who I am so I can change the way I feel about who I am, right? And that's the important you, part. You got you got to hang out with more of those sunrise watchers. I do. We got to join a sunrise, dude. That would be actually great. Is like a a sunrise meetup group. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great idea. She's right that it, one it's down. It's getting easier yeah. now because the days are getting shorter. I mean, we just passed summer solstice, and mm-hmm. where I live, sunrise was was at like five twenty eight a.m. Yeah. And for a lot of people, that that can be a challenge. But give it a month, it'll be like six, then six thirty, and yeah. And like we were saying before, it doesn't take long for your body. Like I was never, ever, ever, ever a morning person, like Mm -hmm. ever. I can't stress that enough. And like now with once I like really focus on getting up, like I ping awake when the sun comes up. Like I feel this like tingling through my body. My eyes open up and I'm like, oh, yeah, it's getting light out. Like and I, I can't. I hesitate to tell that story because I know so many people have a hard time waking up, but I swear to God, that was me for my entire life yeah. up until a couple of years ago. I'm in my forties, right? Like it's, and you know, we were saying earlier, it can take a long time to regain health if you're, but also it, it can take a very short time to feel the difference, right? Like it's, it's quite amazing. The asymmetric effect of, uh, going outside in the morning and periodically throughout the day and blocking the light at light at night. Like just the just that alone, it's shocking how much better you can feel very quickly. That's awesome. Well, I yeah, pre- so true. And we're in yeah. the summer now, so it's much easier to spend more time outdoors. So take advantage yeah. of the uh, these summer months. That's right. Go out there and tan your balls, right, Nathan? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it well, never works. Well, we, women women want to tan their breasts too because yeah. the number one cancer in women is breast cancer. Another thing, when you get sun exposure, is you make local melatonin. Melatonin is anti-cancer, it's anti-tumor. So for men, the number one cancer is prostate cancer. So men, you want to get your prostate in the sun, that's going to prevent prostate cancer, but you're also going to increase your testosterone too. Mm. So uh, make fun, but... Uh, yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm actually looking forward to tomorrow. So, I mean, <laughs> there you go. Right um, guys, no, no fringe after dark tonight, as we mentioned, but the social red pill chat is open. So if you go to the social red there is a public chat under the event. You'll see it. It's a social red pill chat that is open. I'm pretty sure there'll be a whole bunch of people on there, but I am on vacation. So no after dark chat tonight, but much love, respect. God bless you guys. Please go check out Nathan at journey, the as well as Meredith at quantum biology collective.org. Correct. Fantastic. Correct. And thank you too much. So much for my guest tonight. Great conversation. Everybody have a fantastic night. We'll see you again. Good night. See you soon. Thanks. Bye. Thank <laughs> you.